Hello, welcome to the programme. As is now traditional early in the start of a new year, two of farming's biggest events are covered on the programme this week as we look at the Oxford Farming Conference and Lama. There's a lot of stands, a lot of equipment uh, and unfortunately not enough time to uh, get round it all. It is. We took the decision when Lama moved from Peterborough to an indoor show. We said, let's make an impression. Let's take this opportunity and really drive home our brand. Will the government pull together a council or commission on food standards? But I will take your message and Minette's message back to my colleagues in government as we decide whether a trades council needs to be set up afresh. More on both of those in a moment, plus our first reports of 2020 from Sean Sparling and Kit Dickinson. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Let's start this week in Birmingham. The second time Lama has been held there, and among the visitors on Tuesday was the NFU's Vice President, Stuart Roberts. It's fantastic. I, uh, funny enough, I haven't been to Lama actually since they moved to this venue. Uh, the last one I went to, I, uh, I got as far as Peterborough Services and got Me told too. it was rained off. It was a great breakfast, but it is. Uh, there are a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot of stands, a lot of equipment, uh, and unfortunately not enough time to uh, get round it all. But uh, certainly we've seen a lot of people this morning. It's great to see. So we are here in 2020. What are your hopes now? We're into the new year. We're through the general election. We kind of have a bit more clarity as to the direction we're going in. Yeah, I think we do. I think uh, having a government with a majority uh, certainly seems to make a difference when you hear uh, the timetable they've got for the the withdrawal bill. Um, Look, there's still lots of uncertainty. Uh, I think we uh, we still haven't seen what the new agriculture bill will look like. Uh, we're certainly looking to uh, see that fairly soon. Um, big questions still around uh, how will we protect our standards. You know, as you you know, as we've spoken about before, we've got some of the highest standards in the world on welfare, on the environment, on food safety uh, that everyone commits to protect but we haven't yet heard how they're going to do it Um, but also I do, it's interesting walking around the show here, I do feel some optimism in the air, I think we know we're some of the best food producers in the world, we know uh, the public are hugely supportive of us, we've got some challenges we know that uh, we're going to have to be really on the front foot on climate change and we see ourselves as part of that solution Uh, but I think overall uh, farmers are always up for the challenge and I think you know let's make 2020 a positive year what, what do you make of um, veganuary for example and a lot of that polarized yeah, argument th- we've got the channel 4 program as well happening we, this week. we, we have um, and I think look polarization is the biggest issue in society at the moment it doesn't matter whether that was on Brexit uh, whether it's on you know carnivores versus vegans I think sometimes we've got to put some of this in context actually you look at the figures uh, the actual number of vegans in the country is about 0.8 percent you know people sort of say oh it's two or three percent no it isn't um, if you look at how much uh, less meat uh, is being consumed uh, people like to talk about the value but actually the volume is the key uh, and actually it's about one percent back uh, on last year so that needs addressing um, but for me not in a negative way in a very positive way you know we in this country have uh, some of the most sustainable red meat in the world produced off grass in a maritime climate uh, and red meat is a really important part of a balanced diet uh, you know it's a great source of protein uh, it's a 
great source of vitamin B12. Uh, dairy products, a great source of iodine, which you can't get from many other places. Um, so actually, I think this year is an opportunity for us to talk positively about our food, positively about uh, our farming, uh, and actually get our message across. And I think the worry I have, um, particularly with programmes we've seen in the past, now I haven't seen the one tomorrow night, so let's see, uh, but certainly the one on BBC a few weeks ago, painted a very negative picture. But it was a very negative picture of a production system that doesn't exist in the UK. And, and therefore, actually, I think we need to use programmes like that as a platform to talk about how good our production systems are, how they are very different to those. Uh, and if we can do that and do that successfully, uh, then actually I see a very positive future, not just here, uh, but in other markets around the world for some of the best red meat in the country. Or, in the, sorry, best red meat on the planet. Let's be, uh, let's be more ambitious. Always ambitious, that's the LFU's Vice President Stuart Roberts speaking at Lama on Tuesday and we'll have more from Lama a little later in the programme. Now Stuart mentioned briefly the Agriculture Bill and the following day on Wednesday all eyes were on the Oxford Farming Conference and the appearance by DEFRA Secretary Theresa Villiers. She confirmed the Agriculture Bill will be back and this month too with a few amendments. Now we have a strong mandate to get on with Brexit we want to start to resolve those uncertainties for you. So in our manifesto, we guarantee the annual budget for farmers in every year of this parliament, a key ask of the NFU and others. And in 2021, the transition will begin. That means we will start to reduce direct payments in England, but we will do that in a fair and progressive way. And we will use the money withdrawn from direct payments to launch the national pilot for ELM, but also, I want to emphasise, to provide targeted financial assistance to improve agricultural productivity and increase the resilience of farm businesses. Um, we need to get moving as we shake off the shadow of the CAP, beginning that transition in 2021 towards radical new policies that work for planet, for people, and of course, for the farming sector. Our ambition is to incentivise a profitable, productive, sustainable farming sector using fewer inputs, producing healthy animals and reduced pollution, and achieving healthier soils and cleaner water and air. So I'm delighted to announce today that our updated agriculture bill will return to Parliament this month. And we, with our bill, we aim to strengthen your position at the farm gate and improve transparency through the use of data. We want to secure greater fairness in a complex supply chain where we all know that financial returns can be so unevenly distributed. Theresa Villiers didn't start Wednesday's political debate, though. In a break with tradition, she declined the top spot, preferring instead to wait and respond to other speakers. So it was the NFU's president, Manette Batters, who got to speak first, pressing the case again for a food commission on food standards post-Brexit. Will the government pull together a council or commission on food standards to scrutinise trade deals and ensure that we don't end up with a two-tier food system and import food that would be illegal for our farmers to produce here, something that the NFU will never accept. In reply, the DEFRA secretary wouldn't commit to such a move. This is potentially an effective means to ensure that we have appropriate scrutiny and working relationships between government and farmers and experts 
on our trade discussions, but we continue to have this debate within government about whether that is the mechanism we are going to adopt or not. There are a number of groups already established to engage between government and business, including farming, on trade negotiations. But I will take your message and Minette's message back to my colleagues in government as we decide whether a Trades Council needs to be set up afresh or whether we should just continue to use the existing working groups. But what I will emphasise is that we will be listening to farmers as we conduct our trade negotiations. That engagement will be crucial, whether it takes place via a new Trade Council or Commission or whether it takes place through existing bodies. Farming leaders were hoping Theresa Villiers may go further on the issue of food standards in future trade deals. They were disappointed no firm assurances were given. The uh, Soil Association, for example, it's called for legislation in the Agriculture Bill to guarantee UK farm standards will be protected. The CLA, meanwhile, said the transition to ELMs shouldn't be rushed, however, and that DEFRA must allow proper time for members to adjust and adapt, and that may mean delaying the start of the transition itself. Well, we'll watch the publication of the Agriculture Bill with interest, and I'm sure we'll have more reaction to it over the next few weeks. Oh, and as we're talking about the conference, well done to Matthew Naylor, a friend here of the Farming Programme, for chairing what everyone's saying was an uplifting and inspiring three days of debate in Oxford. Plenty of uh, good discussion. Good work, Matthew and all of the team. Right, let's get our first open field report of the year. Welcome back, Kit Dickinson. Morning, Sean. How are you? I'm all right. Happy New Year. Belated Happy New Year. Now. Belated Happy New Year to you. It feels a long time ago. What's, uh, what's happening at open field? Well, in the wheat market this week, it was the first week back after Christmas for most of the farmers, and everything was looking very good compared to pre-Christmas. The drills were rolling and the land was drying up nicely, until the rain on Wednesday night, which brought 14 mil just north of Lincoln, which has obviously put a stop to drilling for a while. The lack of wheat being drilled is helping old crop and new crop feed wheat prices, which have creeped up over the last two weeks by £5. 150 is now achievable for March onwards. How high will it go? That is the question. New crop prices are still buoyant and trading at £14 over old crop values. France's headlines news this week is they exported 1.5 million tonnes of wheat in November. Over 1 million tonnes of that was outside the EU. These are big numbers for just one month's trading, proving that the French motif is competitive and that they are well priced currently, which is positive for the London market. There is also talk of warmer weather in the US, which should, in theory, help their winter crop. This is also helping the UK Liffey, but the forecast is good in the US for most growing areas. While some progress has been made on plantings in the UK and France, there is still much to do and farmers will make the most of the recent dry weather window. However, the trade is now assessing the potential impact of production reductions in the EU, UK, France, Germany, the Ukraine and the US, where plantings are forecast to be the lowest in 100 years. There is no way of knowing what impact the recent devastation in Australia will have on cereal plantings, which began in March-April or the impact on the reintroduction of export taxes in Argentina may have. Perhaps more significant is the apparent change in the Russian selling pattern, where it appears the government is resting back some control of export flows from the international shippers. All of the above, and the potential for more weather issues before harvest, is a huge cause for concern. Oilseed rape continues to rise in price on the back of currency and a large area of the UK coming under pressure, or even failing completely. 
Palm oil has lowered by over 2%. This has been leading the veg oil markets in the last few weeks and in truth has been the main driver for the oilseed rate recovery. Consumers are buying but in small lots to avoid overpaying. Malting barley, there is little fresh news to report in the marketplace currently. Expectations remain for a larger spring barley crop on the back of lower winter planted area. Although we have heard some reports of additional drilling taking place this week where conditions have allowed. For now, the focus from the consumer has been on this well-discussed area increase and what that will remain of the premiums for new crop. Old crop markets have been very quiet and the focus on execution over the December, Christmas, New Year period, which has been slow. With the Brexit deadline approaching and ongoing debates in Parliament this week and the House of Lords, next week we should finally be getting closer to understanding how the UK will interact with the EU for the next 12 months. Fresh news on fertiliser this week. CF have brought out new prices which are £25 below their December price. With uncertainty on how, fer- how much fertiliser will be needed in the coming season, there is a lack of buying in the market. But these lower prices should be considered, nevertheless. Moving on to prices this week, feed wheat is 146 to 148 for January, for March 148 to 149 and for May 150 to 152. November new crop is 159. Milling premiums are currently 18 to 20 pounds. Oil seed rate 339 to 341 for January, March 342 to 344 and May 345 to 347. There are limited prices for new crop moving forward. Feed barley 120 to 122 for January, March 124 to 126 and May 126 to 127. And malting premiums are currently five to eight pounds. Thanks, Kit. Good to have you back. Kit Dickinson there with the news and prices you need from Open Field. In a moment, we're on one of the largest stands at Lammer with the hope of fresh optimism in farming. We're into the second week of 2020 and having already welcomed Kit Dickinson back from Open Field, let's now say a belated Happy New Year to our agronomist, Sean Sparling. Hello, Sean. Yes, good morning, Sean, and a very Happy New Year to you and all of our listeners as well. I'm not entirely sure when you stop saying Happy New Year, actually. I'm quite often still saying it the Linkages show when I see people I haven't seen all year. Um, so I've been out in the field this week, walking about, thought I'd better walk off some of the Christmas successes. Um, and pigeons, oh my goodness, the amount of damage that pigeons are doing out there in the field. Don't just assume that your crashes and bangers and flashes and kites and are doing the job, because to be quite honest, at best, these pigeons hear a bang and they, they shrug their shoulder, look over and see what the noise was and hop on two inches. They are doing a massive amount of damage. And I think one of the reasons for that is because there's a far lower acreage of oilseed rape out there not least because of the fact we've lost about 30% to cabbage stem flea beetle alone last autumn but also if you cast your mind back to before the rain the end of August and up to about the 22nd of September it was very very dry and people were drilling oilseed rape late because we wanted to get away from this two or three generations of larval infestation and those later drill crops because it was so hot and so dry they simply didn't germinate and get away so we lost a lot of those as well and with soil temperatures only just around four degrees we're not getting enough growth on the oilseed rape we're not actually getting any growth on the oilseed rape to compensate and grow away from any of that damage. Now, we know that if pigeons take out the growing point, a rape is a very, very good compensating crop. It will throw out a lot of side branches to compensate. But 
they're doing so so much damage out there in the field and I think this year we're going to be starting a lot earlier getting nitrogen on to combat that nitrogen loss that we've seen over the last three or four months nitrogen and sulfur will both have leached away through the ground and it's very noticeable in the field the amount of nitrogen and sulfur deficiency you can find it does not take any finding these purple fields is nitrogen deficiency now there's no point putting any nitrogen on at all at the moment and likewise with if you're being told to put a foliar feed on to correct the manganese magnesium zinc molybdenum it's a waste of your time because as we've said four degrees soil means you're not getting active growth and that will be wasted long before that crop can assimilate it and use it so just forget about it there's no point what you should be doing at the moment is making the plans ready for when you do go are you better with putting urea on in a year like this because if you've got moist soils ammonium nitrate is likely to leach away far more than urea ever will but if it warms up the urea will volatilize whereas ammonium nitrate won't speak to your facts qualified advisor and get a plan in place now because i think we will be starting an awful lot earlier as soon as conditions will allow curb astrocurb or any propizomide containing product needs to be on by the end of january and we need moisture we need cold soils well we've got that so that should work pretty well this year i would hope um if you've got some grass weeds established grass weeds in the field larger grass weeds then you could put something like laser or fusillade or shogun in as long as you've only put one fop on you can put a dim on if you put a dim on you can put a fop on but you can't put two fops or two dims so again speak to your advisor about that um Remember, curb takes around three or four weeks to actually get into the plant. You won't see a big effect very quickly. But once you get it on in these conditions, it should do a good job this year. Um, foam, a light leaf spot, very little change in disease levels at the moment. Now, I said I wasn't going to moan about the weather, but... 12 to 15 mil of rain on Wednesday night has scuppered drilling. A little bit of drilling was starting to happen, a bit of positivity. There were bits of fields we couldn't get near to, but we were starting to get some wheat in the ground. Um, now, I get very annoyed with this whole calendar date thing, whether it's on a herbicide or whether it's on any chemical or whether it's on cereal varieties, because... All NIAB list says is you can drill up to mid-February, late February, end of January. It is far more important that the variety, the soil conditions, the soil temperatures are right. Check with your advisor. The calendar date is far less important than all of those things. You should be aiming to establish around 400 plants um, a square metre, 375 to 400, because late drill wheat tillers far less well. But varieties that we know drill better later, the sky falls, the gleam, they do seem okay mid to late February. Belepi is another variety people talk about as a late driller. But the later you drill that, don't get carried away. Once you get into mid-March, the specific weights just collapse, actually. Preems big question what pre-em do you put on or should you put a pre-em on bad black grassland you haven't really got a lot of choice remember liberator after the 31st of december you can only put 0.3 of a liter on crystal um you cannot put crystal on pre-em after the 30th of november but you can apply it up to growth stage 23 so it's a post-em product use them if you know that you've got a crop but you cannot use that pre-em avidex granules avidex excel you can apply that pre-em you can only apply that pre-em but you can put it on winter wheat winter barley spring wheat spring barley anytime you like from now if you 
you put it in the ground. So you do have that flexibility. So not finding any aphids. Remember, it takes minus six to kill an aphid. So we haven't had that yet. If they're out there, they're still going to cause a problem. Disease levels very low in wheat in general. And the question I was asked the other day, can I still drill winter beans? How late can I go? Well, you can drill them in February. Um, you need to up your seed rate to spring bean levels and you need to accept the fact you could be 25% yield down. So perhaps the time is to switch in to spring beans. We'll see what the next seven days bring, Sean. Probably a bit more January. We'll chat in a week's time. Thank you, Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Back to Lammer. Plenty of discussion and networking. Maybe a few sales as well. Crone had one of the biggest stands at the NEC. James Duggable is marketing and product manager for Crone UK. We took the decision when Lama moved from Peterborough to an indoor show. We said, let's make an impression. Let's take this opportunity and really drive home our brand. And how is business at the moment? Uh, business is good. There's uncertainty. Some people are talking about Brexit as the cause of uncertainty, but I also think the weather is playing a very key part at the moment. And we've seen unprecedented rain levels, wet harvest. We've got a wet autumn we've not seen for a long time. So I think that is just dampening the mood of the farmers. But with the brighter weather now, we've had a, a drier Christmas. I think we'll see a, start to see a positive upturn. For anyone listening who I'm sure there are, nobody will not know what Crone is, but just explain what the business is. Yeah, so we are a manufacturer of hay and forage harvesting equipment from mowers through to forage harvesters, balers, so anything to do with grass. A lot of stock here. Talk us through um, some of it. Yeah, so we've got um, some new bits of machinery, a new four-rotor rake for gathering in the crop on the ground, making into a swath. Uh, some of the balers have received an update, uh, but one of the key pieces of the machinery is um, looking in front of me at the moment. So it's the Primos, it's the pellet harvester. So this is new technology. We launched five years ago at the Agrotechnica show. We previewed it. Still in its development stage, but this, is, this machine is capable of making straw pellets in the field. So these pellets can be utilised for burning, have the same burning characteristics as wood, or they can be used for feeding or bedding. What kind of response have you been getting so far to it? So far, a very big response. Um, with a lot of people saying, yes, I'm going to buy one of those. They don't know the price. They don't know anything, but they like the idea, they like the technology. And the machine itself has just won the Silver Futures Award at the Lama Show. So we've just been presented with that award. And yeah, we're, we're really excited about this machine. We started, so we started the testing in the UK this year. It was actually in Lincolnshire itself. We did the first initial UK tests. Um, on the farm there, a friendly farmer we know. So we've made some pellets, we've made different density pellets using different crops as well and just really understand how we can fine-tune the different characteristics of properties to suit different business needs. And, and that's important, isn't it? It's getting that fine-tuning, it's you understanding the product as much so that you can Absolutely. promote it. Absolutely. We could very easily find some people to buy this machine straight away. But unless, until we understand the... Um, the application, the importance, the value of the, the product, the pellet itself, we won't have any long-term success. But if we can understand how these pellets can be used and how it can be turned into a profitable business, hopefully it'll be business, profitable business come for years and years for many people. And a show like Lammer, is it about just getting the name shown rather than actual sales, or is it a bit of both? It's a bit of both. It's, I'd say it's about the name, it's about the sales, but sales for some of you look at the forage harvesters to our left, uh, you know, that's... £250,000, £300,000. You don't turn up to a show and say, I'm going to buy a forage harvester. Yeah, I'm not going to drive one home. I'm not going to drive, I'll take it home. <laughs> but to us, it's really important about meeting our customers and getting to see faces, getting to meet people, have those conversations so we can understand how we can help their businesses and they can also understand what help we can offer. 
to farming, farming businesses, farmers out there alike. And your hopes for, for 2020? You said you started off, it may be uncertain, what with the weather. It's certainly been a, a drier start. I hope I'm not tempting fate by saying that. A drier start to 2020 so far. What, what for a business like Crown, are the hopes for this year? So the hopes are we, we have a year as good as last year. Um, I think the weather will improve. But the nature always has a way of equaling itself out. Um, I think the Brexit situation will get some more clarity. So, but at the moment, we're business as usual, business moving forward. We're here, you know, to help farmers. We're here to offer solutions and machinery grass harvest. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Here's to a, another successful year. And do you think, with post the end of January, post Brexit, with with the politics seeming to have calmed down again, I may be tempting fate there. <laughs> but are people now those that maybe were being hesitant are thinking actually? Maybe we do know the future, we do know the direction, so we can start investing again. I think that will that yeah. will come. And also with the weather, I think now we, we've got over Christmas, silly th- little things, the days are now getting slightly longer, the weather will start to slowly pick up. Yes, we'll probably get a cold spell. And the mood, as we get to spring, that'll be the real indicator. Early spring is how the year will finish off. That's James Duggable at Crone UK, and we'll have more from Lama on the programme next week. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Yes, on to the weather and uh, another unsettled week ahead. Today, maybe some sunshine, overall pretty cloudy, highs of eight. The wind from the west, around 10 miles an hour. Sky is clear overnight, so lows of three, that wind from the southwest. And then a deep area of low pressure is heading our way. That means a windy, maybe a wet Monday and Tuesday. There could be a few heavy showers. The wind from the southwest again, gusting at nearly 30, 40, maybe even 50 miles an hour. Highs of seven and lows around four. That strong jet stream continues to bring low pressure our way through the week, although it might settle down come the end of the week with maybe some drier, quieter weather for next week. We'll see. For now, though, that is the forecast. Next week, the biggest and the fastest, two very different farming machines produced for two very different reasons, as we'll find out next week. Now, though, spurred on by the yoga session that started on the final day of the Oxford Farming Conference on Thursday, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about if you were there, I'm going to go put myself in the downward-facing dog position for a bit. Presuming I can get back out of it again, I'll be back at the usual time next Sunday. Until then, take care.